Welcome to the new sermon series for the month of June, Old School, where we look at different theological terms from the Old Testament and apply them to our everyday lives today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. I got the privilege and honor to come and share with you for Father's Day the word. Um, And I just want you all to know that it is an amazing privilege and pleasure every time I get to come and share the word of God with you. Now, every Father's Day for the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, I had this tradition where I try to sneak in a little image that I have of me and my daughter walking along the beach. And this year I was wondering, how is this going to happen? And then uh, major... Jonathan Raymer came and told me, he's like, hey, can you do the program? I'm like, yes, I can do that. And so if you look at the program um, and you look really closely, you can see the image of me and my daughter walking along the beach uh, there. So um, I try to sneak it in anywhere I can because um, normally she's gone to, um, uh, what do you call it, conservatory. And so she's normally not here. So I don't get a chance to see her on Father's Day. So it's just one little way that I could do kind of remember that special moment that we had together. So this morning, I want to encourage you that Father's Day is a day to celebrate those in our lives that we have learned from, been mentored by. And sometimes Father's Day and fathers don't look traditionally like what we would normally think of a father. Sometimes it's a spiritual father. Sometimes it's mom who's playing mother and father. So I want to encourage all of you guys and and ladies out there who have been fathers to your children, I want to encourage you to continue to be that source of inspiration and call and support. Because there's been so many people in my life who have spoken to me through this way. Um, Growing up, I believe that being the man of the house meant that you had all the power. It meant that you could do whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted. That no one could tell you what to say, what to do, where to go. Boy, did I get that wrong. <laughs> As I've grown more and I've become the man of my own house, I've begun to understand and see things in a different light. As I was studying for this sermon, I was beginning to think, what really should a man of the house do? I didn't have too many uh, good examples of that in my own house, so I was searching and I was looking to the different people and different families who I knew. Um, at church, the Salvation Army literally saved my life. I believe today that if I hadn't uh, been part of the Salvation Army, my life would have been a completely different direction. I can tell you so many stories of officers who spoke and who really inspired me and my life. And so as I was Growing up, it was either the captain or one of the youth leaders who would always come and say, Joe, what's going on when things were going wrong? Or Joe, come and help me with this and showing me the right way to be and to become the man that I am today. The world offers lots of confusing point as to what the role of a man of the house would be. Many people say that being a man requires grit, determination, and working knowledge of weaponry. Others view manliness as strength, power, authority, protection, provision, and leadership. In the same light, others believe that manliness is about getting in touch with one's feelings, being sensitive, caring, protecting, and providing for the less privileged. Likewise, others, when talking of manliness, would include good work ethic, riches, physical stature, wealth, and prowess. 
1 Corinthians 16, verses 13, 14 says this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. So there are three things I really want to talk to you about today with the man of the house does. Man of the house provides for his household. Man of the house provides. How do we provide? A man of the house protects his family. And a man of the house preserves God's design. Now, again, I want to preface this by saying I know that there are many of you women out here who have to be both roles in your household. And I salute you this morning. And I want you to know that there are so many people out there who, who are going through the same situation. And it's difficult at times because we think that we have to be a certain way. But this morning, I want to take us from the worldly view of what some people might think a man of the house would be and turn us towards the godly view of what a man of the house should be. So 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. How are we supposed to provide for our household? What is it that's crucial to us? 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Genesis 1, verses 28 through 30 says this, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish in the sea, over the birds in the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed is its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. So what does that have to do with providing? How do you become a provider for your family, for your children? Well, the basic idea is that you go out and work and produce something. But what is it that you're producing for your children? What is it that you're making for them? How are you showing them and guiding them and giving them what they need? Is it just the physical is it just the everyday things that you have to give? Food, water, shelter? What else do you provide for them to feed not just their physical self, but their spiritual self? How can we go about making our families the most crucial, important thing and giving them the things that they need spiritually as well as physically? Well, that leads me to the man of the house protects his family, not physically, just physically, but also spiritually. Proverbs 4, 10 through 15 says this, Hear my son and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the path of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. So how do we protect our families? How do we provide for them in the same sense? What is it that we give them? What is it that we offer them? Ephesians 6.4 says something that's very crucial, I think, for parents here this morning, especially fathers. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. 
I don't know about you, but I like picking with my daughter and uh, having these little debates and things like that. But it says that we are supposed to guide them and instruct them. One way we help to protect our children is teaching them the right way. One way that we protect our family is showing the right example, providing for them the example of who God calls us to be, providing for them the example of what God wants us to do. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. As I think about it, there is a lot of things I learned from my earthly father, and a lot of it had to do about trying to get out there and make money and, and develop wealth. And those things that he said were all about the physical realm and the physical daily needs. And those things, yes, our Heavenly Father knows he needs us. We need those. But he says, look at the lily of the field. Look at the bird of air. Do I not provide for them? How much more will I provide for you? Ephesians 3, 14 through 15 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with with all the fullness of God. How do we protect our families? How do we provide for our families? By showing them God in our everyday life. By preaching to them. By teaching them what God has commanded us to do. But in order for them to truly see it, we have to preserve who God is and his design in our everyday walk. Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? The man of the house should be focused on his relationship with God. A man who goes after God's heart knows the importance of embracing his responsibilities to those in his house. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 6 says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of God, the key word is that as men of the house, we are supposed to obey God in everything that we do. We are supposed to follow him. Blessed shall be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and blessed shall be you when you come in, and blessed shall be you when you go out. I think about all the times that we were hungry, we were thirsty, we, were, we were, didn't have the right amount of money to pay our bills, where we had to jump back and forth between house to house to house. I think about all the different problems and difficulties that I faced growing up, living in areas where it was high drug and violence, living in all these different things and going through all these different experiences, trying to find or make or carve out just a little bit of a living. But that's not what God calls us as the man or the woman or the house to be. God calls us to be faithful, to be fruitful. He created us to have a fruitful relationship, to have dominion over the entire earth. 
But because of the way of the world and the evilness of the world today, we find ourselves just trying to get by. We find ourselves just trying to make it through. And sometimes it's so difficult that we don't know what to do. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10 says, Above all, hold unfailingly your love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another. As each has received a gift, employ it for one another as good stewards of God's very grace. We were meant to work together. We were created for relationship with one another and with God. And it's our responsibility as the man of the house, as the woman of the house, to make sure that we're not only worried about what's going on here, but what's going on with our brother and sister. Because as we take responsibility, as we begin to grow together as a body of believers, our house will grow. The Spirit of the Lord will give fruitfulness to the efforts that we make. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5 and 14 through 15 say this. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer or leader must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. You know, as I was looking and thinking about this scripture that we read earlier, I think about God's second coming, and I think about the time that we have now, and what are we building, what are we going to, what are we trying to make? How are we as fathers, as mothers, as leaders in our household and leaders in our church, how are we to prepare for that time when God comes and we have a whole new house to live in? A house where there's no more pain, no more hunger, no more sorrow, where every eye has been wiped clear of tears. Where we have joy unfathomable, never ending. What do we do to prepare for that? I want to read that scripture to you again this morning. Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 7. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from the eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is sitting on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. 
We are going to be part of a household that is so amazing, so encompassing, that we can't even fathom how great it's going to be. But how do we get there from where we are here? The answer is, is we emulate Christ in everything that we do. The answer is, is that we show compassion. I want to go back to Timothy, where Paul is writing to him. And as he's talking to him, he says, this is a trustworthy saying. This is what you need to be. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, 14 through 15. If anyone aspires to be the officer of the seer, if he desires a noble task, therefore an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectful, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Those are the things that we have to remember. We have to remember that we are the example. We are the ones that everybody else in the world will see and they'll say, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of God's household. I want to be a leader in God's household. I want to be a witness to everything that God says. I want to go to Daniel chapter 2, verses 46 through 49. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel, and commanded that an offering and an incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief perfect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made this request to the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. You know, I think about the stories of all of the ones that we grow up and hearing in Sunday school. His, this is about who they are, David, Jonah, Micah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all those different stories that you hear about what these great people of faith did and how they witnessed and how they stood for God even in the most trying of circumstances. What you didn't know, what I didn't read right before this is that Daniel and all the wise men were just about to be killed by the king because nobody could tell them or tell him what his dream meant. So even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst when we feel like everything is going wrong, we have to stand firm. We have to be that witness. We have to show that love. Even when all we get is hate or persecution, we have to be the epitome of love. Amen. Above all, holding unfailingly your love for one another. Since love covers a multitude of sins, Practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another, as each has received a gift. Employ it for one another as good stewards of God's very grace. That's what we have to be if we want to be a leader, if we want to be the man of the house, if we really want to truly break it down, we have to be good stewards of what God has given us. We have to be willing to stand up when people are showing hate and respond with love. Jazz and I were talking this morning on the bus right over. She was talking about how we have to allow ourselves to love others. Even those that don't agree with us. Even those who don't understand that we are all to be the same. We are all to be treated equally. We still have to show that. We still have to stand for him. And we still have to represent who God is in the midst of trials and tribulations. 
because before that city comes down, before we become part of that great household, it's going to get worse. And we need men, women of the household to stand firm, to show who God is, to preach the good news in his name, to be witnesses here in Jerusalem and throughout the whole world. That's what he called us to. So on Father's Day today, I want to encourage each of our fathers that you are going to make incredibly hard decisions for your families, for your children. But the one decision I hope you make, the one decision that I hope you cling to is that you will raise them up in the direction of the Lord. That you will show them, Jesus, in everything that you do. That you will be men and women of God in every situation. And even though we're going to fail, trust me, I'm a testament, we're going to fail. God will be with us. He will empower us. And the Spirit of God will fall upon you. And in mighty ways, things will happen that you never thought possible. The only question is, are you going to stand up? And are you going to allow his spirit to empower you this morning? We can say that we're the man of the house. And like I said before, when we're young, we think that, oh, when I grow up, I can do whatever. But it seems like the older I get, the more responsibilities and the more heavier and the more restricted it seems. (laughs) You 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 can make that decision. But the consequences are going to be so much more dire. We were at a restaurant the other day, and me and uh, um, Jonathan and everybody else, we are sitting and waiting to go inside. And here's this little girl. She's over here laying down on all these seats, just flat out. And I'm like, remember the day when that would have been okay? If I did that today, people would be like, what are you doing? (laughs) We have to be careful that in everything that we do, in everywhere that we go, in everything that we say, that we are representing Christ Amen. to those who do not know him. They're going to be those who are lost in darkness. They're going to be those who are hurting. Those who truly, truly need Christ. And you, and you, and you may be the only Jesus that they ever get to see. Amen. So stand up, men and women of the house. Be bold, be brave. Have I not commanded you? Be bold and courageous. I'm not going to lie, there are times when I, when I have questions and I have doubts. And I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And I'm praying to God and I'm praying to God and it doesn't seem to, to, to work out the way I think it should. And then God comes in and he, and he, he makes it completely different than what I ever thought it could be. But so much better. So much better. Before I came here, I was in a place where I just felt like, God, I'm stuck. I'm stagnant. I I, I don't know why you have me here. I don't know why I'm continuously doing the same things and not getting any results. And his words to me were, be patient. Wait on me and in my time. And there's going to be times in your life when we're like that. When as the head of the household, all the weight seems to be falling upon you. And maybe you're at that point today, and I want to tell you, Be calm. Be patient. Wait on the one who will supply. Wait on the one who will provide. Because he is the ultimate head of the household. He is the one that provides. 
He is the one that protects, and he is going to preserve for you a life in a place like you have never seen before. So it's my hope this morning that you will remember that, that it's not all on you, but that God will provide, God will protect, and he will preserve you if you only lean on him. So this morning, um, John is going to play some music, but I really want you to have this opportunity to come down and to allow God to pour into your heart, into your soul, to turn over those things that have been bothering you, those struggles, those pains, those difficulties. Give them over to him and allow him to show you, allow him to give you that hope and that love that you might be missing, that peace that seems so far away, that joy Oh my gosh, the joy of knowing God and that he is working for you. Sometimes it's indescribable. So as John plays the music, I invite you to come. And I invite you to seek the Lord with all your heart and lean on his understanding.